This afternoon, we're talking vision, and uh, we have two young leaders, very impressive young men, uh, Tim Clemens and Stuart Starr. Tim uh, pastors Grace City Church uh, at uh, Green Square, mm -hmm. and uh, Stuart is the, they're both founding pastors. Stuart's um, at Oran Park in the southwest of Sydney, uh, New Life Church at Oran Park, and it's great to have you with us, gentlemen. Thanks um, for having us. We're going to talk vision, and I'm keen to learn... Um, some of your insights on vision because you've thought both of you have thought lots about it but before we get to that the pastor's heart and the the complex journey of being a pastor and how god has stretched you and developed and taken you beyond yourself yeah. why don't we start with you tim yeah yeah so for me uh, honestly one of, one of the biggest challenges in my journey so far has been the process of planting grace city uh, when we started i was relatively inexperienced still am frankly mm -hmm. um but i remember one of the first thoughts i had after we started got up with launched was wow i'm never ever going to critique a senior leader ever again um, <laughs> I, I honestly just uh, totally totally underestimated the burden of leadership how hard it was how exhausting it was all the, bu the balls in the air and so for me, part of the journey has actually just been learning to trust in God, rely on God, uh, when a lot of the time I felt out of my depth or not really sure what to do. So it's been a fun journey, but a humbling journey. Mm. Mm. What about you, Stuart? Oh, I could certainly echo uh, <laughs> Tim's uh, words on that. And I think uh, pray for your leaders. They're, yeah. they're flawed and, and uh, mortal humans, and they, they would value your encouragement and support. So I think that, that's fair. I think the other one is thinking through family in ministry mm -hmm. and, uh, and how you, uh, in my case, I've got two kids, how you set your kids on a good path where they're loving Jesus while your work is connected to Jesus as well. And that whole overlap between... Um, yeah my responsibility to the family, my responsibility to the church, yeah. Ab absolutely, and so daddy needs to go to work now, is also church, and all, all those sort of things, and how do I keep fresh and alive with my kids as I pray with them and, and read the Bible with them, uh, managing that along with all the things that Tim just talked about, I think is really, that's always a challenge mm. uh, for us. I've just been on holidays, and um, while I was on holidays, I read... Uh, in preparation for this discussion next week, Ed Guthrie's book on resilience right, and ministry. Right. <laughs> and there's a big section there about um, the whole issue of um, family and church and that crossover. And so I look forward to talking to him mm. about that next week. However, we've, we're going to talk vision and sure. we've got a number of Facebook comments. I think we might just jump right in. We've got one from Anthony Douglas and uh, we'll put it up on the screen there. But he says, I confess that the word vision is a turnoff for me makes me think of Americans with big smiles and change-your-life seminars, uh, but that being, it, it, con it connotes to me something that is new while we preach a gospel that is old. So the question is, what do you think of this tension, the same old story and needing a new spin to tell it with? What's your... <laughs> Why don't we start with you, Stuart? Uh, well, I, I mean, do you have to have a vision? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I, I think uh, I can understand Anthony, and, and we went to college together, so mm -hmm. I, I understand Anthony. Um, and, and I understand the, the frustration that says, isn't this just corporate speak, mm -hmm. sort of uh, weaseling its way into our, um, into our church world? And, and I think my, my reflection would be, if you're hung up on the word vision, that's fine. Um, let the word go. But I, I think everybody who's a senior leader has a vision, and it's when we're frustrated with how our church is going that we know that we have one. Uh, because somehow the church is short of what you thought it was. Or you definitely had a vision on the day you took the job for what you thought the church would be. And so I think our failure to articulate 
what it is that's our ideal of our unrealised future to other people is actually a real hindrance. And so whether you call it vision or you call it your passion project or whatever it is, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. But you have one and your frustration proves it and your leadership will be approved if you can articulate it. Would you say also that every person who joins the church has a vision for the church? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's yeah. all about expectations, exactly. isn't it? <laughs> part, part of the challenge is helpful, or part of the, the journey of selling vision and inviting people to uh, be a part of the vision is winning them to a vision, because otherwise if, if you've got people on board your ship and you're trying to captain them and direct them somewhere else, and you've got people trying to go somewhere else, by definition they're pirates, and so <laughs> uh, that, that kind of makes life difficult. And so trying to win people to a direction that you're trying to take people is part of the journey. And, and it's obviously going to be different if you're a church plant mm. to if you're working in an established church because the church planter almost by definition has more freedom yeah, you know, because people are joining yeah. to come with you yeah. whereas the person who joins an established church doesn't have as much freedom. Mm. We've got a question from Matt Stedman and uh, we'll put that up. He says, uh, great and important topic. My question is, it's related to what we're just yeah, saying. Sure. Whose vision is it? The churches or the pastors? Does it make any difference? Does it change uh, the pronoun use when referring to it? Our vision, my vision, new life's vision. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> uh, I suppose in some ways it's probably helpful to recognise that we're talking about a specific kind of vision here. Like in, in some sense, the Bible gives us the vision to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, we make disciples. Make disciples. Uh, we're going to heaven. The vision is that one day we'll look more like Christ than we do today. Mm -hmm. So there's in some sense it. It's the Bible's vision, it's God's vision that he gives us. And yet at the same time, I do think uh, within that spectrum, each individual leader of a church, so I do think the senior leader of a church is called to have, or it, it helps, you need a particular vision for what this community is, is going to do and where you want to take these people. Mm -hmm. uh, because at the end of the day, it, it's, it's, uh, you're called to lead a particular group of people with particular resources in a particular location and uh, a particular point in time. And so therefore, necessarily, uh, the vision that we have at Grace City is going to look different to New Life and Village, etc., etc. So I, I think it, it needs to be the senior and leader's vision. partly the location, console, partly the location, levels. partly the personalities, you're, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 that's right. Mm -hmm. that's right. So yeah. it's going to be unique from church to church. It just has to be, necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, but what about... Uh, Matt's question was really my vision as a leader or our vision as a group. Mm. Um, so, so, I, yeah. so I, I think that's a case of I do believe it's the senior leader needs to, in some sense, come up with the vision. So this, for me, was, was brought home to me when we first tried to start church. Mm -hmm. um, there were, uh, before we started, there were 10 of us in a room, and I said, all right, guys, so what do you think the vision should be? Someone said to me, Tim, I think that's your job. And he's right. Uh, he mm. said, why don't you go, go away and do some thinking, come up, bring it back and we can refine it. And I think that's where it needs to be. Senior leader says, I think this is where we want to go. Help me improve it. Mm. Uh, make, make it our vision. At the moment, it's mine. Uh, but if it only remains mine, we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, you'll we, just be walking exactly, on the park in your own. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we need to get on board with this together mm -hmm. so that we can pursue it. Mm. Stuart? Yeah, I think, I think the language has to be authentically uh, of the leader. Um, it needs to ring true with the congregation. So if mm -hmm. it doesn't resonate in the congregation, it's nobody's vision. Mm -hmm. But if, it, if it's not the leader's vision and not the leader's language, then in the end, it'll die on a shelf mm -hmm. in a book somewhere that looks really pretty, mm -hmm. that is 
absolutely irrelevant to the daily run of the church. And so I, I think you'd say it has to resonate in the congregation, but it has to be owned by the lead pastor. Mm. And so language and articulation of what the vision is must be from the pastor in a way, though, that is absolutely true to and authentic to what's happening in the congregation. Mm. So that tension's a little bit, probably, I probably want to push back on the tension a little bit. But, but I, it has to be the lead, lead pastors because in the end, they'll need to say it mm. and they'll need to lead it. And so if it's not your language, if it sounds odd in your mouth, get rid of it and find something that you love saying to people again and again and again because you're going to need to. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Craig Hamilton said, you've got to marry your vision. You know, uh, I'm down with that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, now, um, we'll go to another question from Matt and he's um, talked about updating the vision um so how often do you update the vision doc who if anyone ratifies it board of elders parish council um so we've got really two questions it's the it's the it's the where does it come from question but then um how do you refine it Hmm. uh question so let's do let's do Keep, keep working on where does it come from and the, the process of rolling it out. Um, what, what, what have you done? Um, to roll it out? Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, so first of all... I mean, I'm, sure I'm not so much interested in the very first time. No, sure. Because the How first time it? it was just you and a cow and a couple of other people in the field at Oran Park. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> no, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not meaning to be drawing no, no, any no, person, not at all. it was just kind of country country fields you know? absolutely so so what do we do so i think the first thing you have to do is uh, it has to be memorable so uh so the first thing you have to create it in such a way that it's memorable mm-hmm. uh, first of all because you need to remember it and the classic way to know if your vision is being wasted is if you ask the lead pastor do they know the vision mm-hmm. and they can't articulate it forget it the job's mm-hmm. done so first thing it has to be memorable second thing we do is that i, I speak about it all the time um, and so every meeting we have i say to someone in our group hey what's our vision mm-hmm. and then i say how does what we're doing tonight help us get to seeing new life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park. Every meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, parish council, uh, committee meetings, whatever it is, we always do that. Um, it's up in our foyer. Um, it's the language I use when I do our announcements. Um, it, everything flows back through it. So when you say, how do we deploy it? I never put it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the key to how it will stay alive in the mm-hmm. life of your um, in the life of your church. But how often do you ratify it? Well, I'm six years in, um, and so I haven't had to re- redo it again recently. Well, I guess though, um, there's 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 ratified. I mean, we've we've got a big picture of where we're going. Sure. But you're always tweaking it, and you're thinking, um, well, what do we do this year? What do we do next year? Sure. Um, uh, to roll the vision out to for more new life to Oran Park. Sure. Um, and so there's going to be, isn't there, um, a whole process of communicating the 2019 vision steps, do you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 then. I th- others might disagree with me on this, but I try to limit the particular vision word to, for us, what we want to see in 15 years' time. So mm-hmm. it is, it's the distant horizon, it's where sure. we're going. Because um, I, I think that's so. It's thousands of disciples throughout Sydney and beyond radically committed mm-hmm. to the cause of Christ. For us, that's that's the big, fluffy, vague stuff. I think that's what gets people excited. But at the same time, as we're talking now, people want to know. Okay, practically, what does that look like this year? Mm-hmm. And so we've gone from the 15-year vision. We bring it forward or closer and say, what's the five-year focus mm-hmm. and what's the one-year goal? And so that that's for really us, helpful that's language. Been our language. Yeah. It's that's the vision. That's where we're going. But in five years, what do we need to do to get us a little bit closer to the vision? And then let's bring it even closer. What's one thing that we need to do in the next 12 months to get us even closer to the focus? And so that's how I, I guess your five-year focus is, I mean, 
if, if I use the management yeah. speak, you've got that big, hairy, audacious yeah. goal yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as the fluffy vision, yeah. as you called it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But the mine's not fluffy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the focus five years is the thing that's just slightly out of our re- our yeah. reach, just a little beyond what's yeah. humanly possible, yeah. but gives us a focus for what we're Correct. really trying to achieve. Correct. Correct. Now, the way you put it that way, mm. you never revise the big, hairy, audacious goal. But the five-year thing, you'd revise every five years, yeah. you know. As, or as, or well. perhaps more frequently, if necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll know that on a yearly basis. Is, yeah. is this still the right direction to go in order to be pursuing the vision or not? Mm-hmm. Let's move to goals then. I mean, the, the programs, the plans for 2019. Um, how do you roll... How do you go through the process of coming up with those... Um, what you're planning to do over the next 12 months, what staff you're going to put on, what new thing you're going to start, what thing you're going to close down. Yeah, yeah I think that's really good. So uh, I think somewhere on the... Because um, we've got a question, sorry. Yeah. We've got a question from Mike Hasty. How do you do goals well? Um, uh, practically and theologically, church vision can often be erythral, which doesn't work in the typical way that an organisation works. So we're right on that issue, yeah. So uh, vision, mission, mission is the how do you see the vision come about. So ours is new life in every home. Uh, the mission is to give and live the message of new life. So we want to give the message of new life and we want to live new life for Jesus. Underneath that, and this is sort of following your strategy, sure. underneath that we have a set of strategic priorities mm-hmm. that help us uh, give the message of new life, live new life for Jesus and support the task of giving and living. So I've got six strategic priorities and then we just go and load up actions that will help us do those priorities that will help us achieve our mission which is helping us achieve our vision so it kind of steps down like that Mm -hmm. and so those upper ones will stay the same and each year we'll sit in and go what are our tactics how do we pull off our strategic priorities this year in order to achieve our mission to see our vision realized Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I got lost a little bit. I'm glad you got <laughs> confused. I, was thinking, I think it makes sense, but I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> well, if I have my PowerPoint with me, you'll get it. Well, maybe, let me just make it a bit more concrete. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, uh, for us, <laughs> um, I'll just tell you what we do, and then yeah, you yeah. can tell me how we should do it. That's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. We are just... Be, I mean... We, we have that focal point, we have the big goal, mm. but we're just now, and, and what are we now, April? So we're just starting to think, well, how's everything gone so far this year with all the mm. new things we started? Mm. Um, and we've worked out, okay, we've gone up this percentage in attendance and that kind of thing, and so we're feeling a bit more emboldened about stretching for next year. And so we're going through a process. We, we haven't really started, but we're just, I guess in the staff's mind... Mm. It's just starting to formulate in our hmm. thinking, what will we do next year? Hmm. And then by July, we'll have kind of got some concrete plans which we'll be taking to the parish council. That'll be pretty clear. I'm sorry, that'll be, that'll be rolled out to all the leaders um, September. Mm-hmm. And then there's a five, six-week process of rolling it out to the church and asking people to get prayerfully, financially on board in hmm. fourth term. Yeah, so what's, how do you guys do that? Similar kind of thing, I think, in some ways. For us, yep. we have a staff conference around August. That's where we look back on the last 12 months, look forward to the next 12 months, mm-hmm. and together go, how are we going? Uh, if we change nothing else, what are the one or two things that if we focus our attention here, in con- carrying on business as usual, but if we focus our attention here, we might see the greatest results. Mm-hmm. And so I think 
if you're trying to do too many things, it just gets confusing and busy. Um, but if you can focus on one or two things that we can try and do in the next 12 months, um, that helps. And then take that, all right, what does that mean for budget? Okay, let's start working on that. And we, around August, uh, sorry, October, have a vision series where we'll put together an annual report, report on the year, say this is where we want it to go, this is what it looks like, and try and encourage people to buy in and pledge for that over the year. I've got in my hand yeah. the uh, Grace City Church annual report. It's um, the 2017 one. It's a very impressive document. <laughs> um, and we will I have put... a very talented brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we know, looking at the... You and I, we can work out where Grace City is yeah. and where Grace City is going yeah. from this document. Mm. Um, so you've got both what's happened so far and then your key priorities for here's what we're focused on yeah. next year. So they're kind of, you know, departments as well as the overall church mission mm -hmm. goal. We'll put the link to the PDF sure. of this on so that other people can learn from that. But that's and just got testimonies. Now, you, you obviously give that to the congregation. Yep. But do you just expect them to read it for 20 minutes each or half an hour each? Uh, what, what, how, so, do you, how do you so actually engage people yeah, in Yeah, we, we actually, uh, believe it or not, we do have one of our community groups, our growth groups, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. uh, the week after we hand them out where people, we expect people and encourage people to read them in advance and then we pray through it. So it's not a process of let's all read it. Mm -hmm. The assumption is you've read it and then let's pray for the priorities that have been articulated and, and share, you know, how, how do people feel about this? Maybe we need to change something because mm -hmm. we got it wrong. All of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Stuart? Yeah, so I, I like your time, timeline, Dominic. That looks similar to ours, so that's not, mm -hmm. um, that's not very different. I don't think I'm very controversial. No, 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 I don't, I don't think so either. So, but, uh, but, yeah, so we have a vision series um, at the end for term and we sort of, uh, we preach clearly uh, that we want to be raising faith mm -hmm. uh, and we want to be pointing to, uh, towards our vision and values and then we say, and here's the particulars uh, for this year. So we'll have a, a particular vision Sunday where we'll uh, get the church together, we'll have a big barbecue together and we'll say this is what we're seeing mm -hmm. uh, for the year ahead and that will be articulating those sort of goals that, um, that I think both of you guys are, mm -hmm. are talking about. Um, let's just go to another comment from Mike Hasty. He said, how do you set up the process to get input and yet not be run by consensus? Talk to us about that tension. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, I can tell you, I, I guess we, we try and stay uh, consultative. So parish council, we're in an Anglican system. Mm -hmm. So um, our parish council is representative of our congregation. Um, and we will uh, we'll be talking to ministry leaders and staff team. Uh, we talk to our um, parish council and we invite them to talk with others as we do this process. Mm -hmm. So I, I think uh, everybody doesn't get a vote, but everyone has a voice. Mm -hmm. Tim? Uh, a practical example is for us, our big goal was let's start a or transition church to a second congregation. Mm -hmm. That was where we wanted to go, but we wanted to get input because that's going to impact everybody. Mm -hmm. So what time do people think would work? Um, you know, some of those sorts mm -hmm. of things. So we did sort of um, focus groups and mm -hmm. had people in my home. I met with the community group leaders. So try to give buy-in to some of the key stakeholders in that sense. We didn't do it perfectly, but that yeah. was how we attended. And actually, there yeah. are some decisions you want to take out to everyone, mm -hmm. and there are some decisions, I mean, here, for example, remember when we got new chairs? Mm -hmm. um, Just now, make the call. Well, no, don't make the call, right. I'm saying. I'm saying, actually, personally, I don't care which, which chair we get. Mm -hmm. I just want everyone to be happy. Mm -hmm. So we got six chairs on a Sunday morning, we got people to sit in them, mm -hmm. and we got people to put in voting slips, you mm -hmm. know, and and it, was, it became absolutely clear um, based on the, um, the vote, which was the most comfortable chair. <laughs> and 
if the decision was wrong, it wasn't my mm. fault. <laughs> it was we made it together. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a very clear take the decision to everyone mm. thing. Whereas there are some decisions, and I guess that they're more the, the ones that are closer to the gospel mm. issue mm. decisions that I'd want to hold closer to my hand. Do you know? Mm. Yeah. So yeah. So consultation, but not consensus, would be the, uh, th- the thing. I think we just did a. Uh, we're in the process of transitioning to a second morning service as well, and we've given everybody a voting slip with a variety of different times on it, mm-hmm. and then we fed that back to them. So we got all that data, fed it back to them, said here's going to be the issues with those times. If we had to change them in either direction to take into account these issues, having heard from a variety mm-hmm. of ministries mm-hmm. about what the challenges were going to be, here's a new set. Go and vote on them again. Mm-hmm. And so. so I think there absolutely is places and times where you want to get everybody to feel that they've had a chance to make a real contribution. Mm -hmm. And there'll be other things that are are operating at a strategic level that you just go, I've got a representative group here that are all empowered to be leaders of our congregation. We can make a decision here and we'll keep communicating transparently beyond this group. Mm -hmm. But you're empowered as a group here to make these sort of decisions without having to ask everybody. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Another one we've got from Mike Hasty. He's saying, um, I'm guessing uh, that visioners should be ready to see people leave. By clarifying a direction more than simply being the church, it might actually clarify a direction that people aren't on board with, assuming it's a direction that would seek more growth. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think in some ways I touched on it before about the whole pirate idea. Um, we as a church, uh, I think one of the crucial parts of vision casting is making sure that... Uh, people who so for us we're a church plant so people have as they jump on board they're jumping on board what the uh, what the vision actually is and so for us we've got a a, uh, a membership course and that's our opportunity to say hey here's who we are here's where we're going if you're excited by this then by all means jump on board help us reach it grab an all let's row together mm-hmm. uh, if you're not excited by that that's okay we'll, let us help you find another church or maybe can we sit down and talk through some of the challenges that mm-hmm. you've got with this? So I do think having a clear destination helps in some ways people either opt in or out mm-hmm. rather than um, yeah, just not being really clear and surprised when you start telling people we're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's, that's absolutely right. And we, we do a, a similar thing. We do a, a partnership course. And the process there is to set forth very clearly our vision and values. And we're inviting people to join us in partnership in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, I say to people... Lovingly, if this doesn't excite you, please go find a church whose vision and values excite you because you'll make a much better and more joyful contribution there. And I don't want to see anyone leave, right? So that's not what we're trying to do. But I want to set it forth so clearly that people go, yeah, that's it. I, I want to join in that. And that opt-in, that I'm-in moment for people as they become partners in our church is so significant mm. to setting forth this sense that there is a we and that we are heading in a particular direction. Mm. I think it's also... Um, when you call people to really get behind a vision, it's the, it asks them the question: Is Jesus really your Lord? Do you know, and and for some, Jesus won't be their Lord, and they won't be with you. Um, sure. But it just it, it, there's there's not just direction; it's there's the spiritual. Is yeah, no, that, that's is really good. Our first week, we articulate very clearly the theological distinctives of our church as well. Mm. And so there is a sense in which here's our theology, here's our take on grace, and here's our vision. So it's, it's not bereft of theology. Mm. And in fact, we want to make that 100% clear so that those who join us know what we're on about mm. theologically. So yeah, there isn't a divide between those No, 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 no. I, I just yeah. remember when we were building the building here, 
we were building the building because we thought under God um, this was the best way to reach the suburb, reach the district, impact the place for Christ. Sure. And we had a guy who was part of our thing who was really the main dissenter, you know, at the time. Sure. And, um, uh, but actually, it was a spiritual issue rather than a disagreement of whether or not we needed a building. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, we got another one. Um, Brett Hall, uh, can you differentiate, we, we might have done this, the, the different language attached to goal setting, setting, what it's trying to capture, how it's used, vision, mission, strategy, tactics? Yeah. You know? There's a lot of confusion around this. I see a lot. Mm. I think vision is a picture of your preferred future. Mission is how we'll get to it. And then strategy is what are the tactical steps? What are the, what are the practical things that we'll do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Alison Shiner. Um, when it comes to a church's vision, I'm more interested in the how than the what. Do you recommend having a strategy document to detail the how to help engage the who, the people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. We have one of those. Which um, is which really what you've done. I suppose in many ways it is. Yeah. Oh, and I presu- I, that, that combines a bunch of things. Yeah, I mean, I'm presuming you've got this document, but then actually within your staff team, there's a whole lot of Google Docs where oh, yeah. it's not as pretty as this. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we have a, uh, an A4, which is your guide to giving and living the message of new life. Mm-hmm. And it articulates exactly the how. Mm-hmm. So we want to help you know how to give the message of new life. And we have four steps for doing that. Connect, care, communicate, lead people to commit. So that's, that's, that's a how. And then when we say we want to live the message of new life, we talk about being faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring. And that's all about the how. Mm-hmm. So we, we're really big on the how. How do you go through the process of working out um, what is a reasonable next tactic and what's just too ambitious? Can I jump in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, for gold. Uh, i got a bunch of favourite sayings. Um, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Yep. So I'd always rather aim for the stars and fall short, hit the moon, than just not bother trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second phase, uh, a, a mentor of mine once said, Tim, $10 visions don't get million-dollar outcomes. And so he goes, imagine, we'll get there, I promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes, good. imagine that uh, you've got 10 minutes to raise $10, what do you do? Sell my shirt, busk, beg, something like mm-hmm. that. And he goes, okay, do you reckon you can get a million dollars with that strategy? I said, of course not. He goes, that's right, because you don't get million-dollar outcomes from $10 visions. So I want to always say, go as big as you can, go big or go home. However, <laughs> I do think you probably need to uh, tailor that to the context in which you're uh, mm. ministering. So for us as a, as a, as a church, we, when we were setting our vision, it was always, uh, we're a bunch of idealistic people with a blank slate, and it's the very beginning, so you know, the world's your oyster. If I were coming to a church which had already been established for a couple of years, or um, I'd been there and now we were just starting about thinking, okay, what should our vision be? I think I would taper it back quite significantly and go, all right, let's just think five years, not 15. Or uh, what's, what's something that gives people a bit of a stretch uh, that God actually needs to turn up for in order for us to uh, achieve this, but people don't nod their heads and secretly roll their eyes at? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So visions... Yes, tr- when you're younger and you're starting out, mm. you can be the wild dreamer yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, think, um, I think your vision scope is connected to trust mm-hmm. um, in your leadership. Yeah. And so uh, it's very easy to paint a wall and say, that's our future. There's our, there's our beautiful picture. But if, people don't, if you don't have any credibility mm. amongst your congregation, that they think that that's in any way connected to reality. Mm. So I'd say scale it back at the start in terms of 
you need to trust me. So let's let's change the seats, Dominic. Mm-hmm. And you know, and we'll st- we'll tell you why because it's really important for us to be a welcoming space. Mm-hmm. And once you've got some runs on the board, the ability to lift the vision up and go. I've got some credibility as a leadership. We've got some runs on the board. You trust that I can say something and we can pull it off. What would we say that now orientates us collectively for a much bigger horizon? So I think the person who drops in with no credibility and no knowledge and says that's our vision will just be standing on their own. Mm. Um, And so I think it's a cumulative part of your leadership and that with that runs on the board, you can then start to say, hey, we've done some stuff together. Mm -hmm. Let's really reach and and see. It's a bit like growing in your faith, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, um, how do you actually ask people for commitment and how do you track commitment? Hmm. So we... Um, at, so at, we're talking money. Really. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. So, well, at New Life, we, we say uh, you're free to be our guest until you choose to be our partner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so come, come sit here, spend as much time as you want sitting in a pew, enjoying the ministry and participating in the life of the church. When you say, when you put your hand up and say, I'm willing to be a partner, then we're going to encourage you to go through our partnership course. And at the end of that, we're going to ask you to think about your time, your talents and your treasure. So how you use your time, what skills and gifts you have, and then the finances that you have as well. And when we say that, we're going to say, we've got a high bar for what we expect of you. But because you've chosen to join us in that, because you see what the vision is, there's much more likelihood that you'll be generous Mm -hmm. in all three of those areas. Mm -hmm. So we're very intentional about doing that at at New Life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we invite once a year, we invite our members to consider pledging. Not all of our members partake in that. It is a voluntary thing that people say, you know, in the next year, next 12 months, here's what we financially can contribute. We do that. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the year, we'll track. They said they'd give this much. How are they going? Uh, are they ahead? Are they behind? Uh, we give people an opportunity to opt out of that follow-up communication. Mm-hmm. But the assumption is if you pledge, we're not going to come chasing you because situations change, but there is a degree of accountability. If you've said uh, you're going to offer this much, we're going to actually make plans with that in mind. Mm-hmm. And so we'd love to know if that's going to change. And so mm. um, oftentimes if people haven't met their pledges, it's because... You know, they forgot or the bank transaction didn't go through or all I mean, that sort of stuff. When, when yeah. we did that for the first time, mm-hmm. um, we'd, we'd rolled out the pledge idea in, in uh, September, October, or October, November, December. Mm-hmm. We started it at the beginning of the year and I was sitting around in the parish council meeting in March and mm-hmm. we, we just all got our emails which said, um, Dominic, you pledged X, yeah. thanks for Y, that means you're actually tracking it Z short. And, uh, <laughs> and well, all okay. the parish council were basically, not all, almost all yeah. of us, had got an email telling yeah. us we were, and we were the most on board yeah. with this system because yeah, yeah, we'd yeah, actually, yeah. We'd, we'd decided to do it, yeah. but we all thought we were being more generous than we actually were. Yeah. Um, Just when and, you tracked it. <laughs> when the tracking yeah. started. And, um. and it's, it's actually, by introducing that system and then by doing the tracking, it's actually meant budgeting is not just cross your fingers and step yeah, off a cliff. Yeah, that's exactly and the difference. I don't know any church that's gone into a pledge system mm. that would just go back into the kind of cross your fingers kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Well, mentality. Well, I honestly don't know how you do it. And and the the, the, th- the thing with all this, I, I think you can, just so we're clear, I think you can be a church without a vision. Mm-hmm. I think you can be a church without a partnership or membership approach. I think you can be a church without pledging. And that will be fine. The, the, the challenge will be, do you have any ambition to move it forward? And if you do, organising along some of the lines that we're talking about will assist you 
in stretching to do something that won't be the outcome that happened last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think in some sense, these things are connected to some sort of hopefully gospel-orientated ambition, and they are useful tools to orientate and organise a group of people for more than the average. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so I think you can definitely do without all of it, Um, but they're helpful if you want to do something a little bit bigger than just... Stay where you are. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. What about, just one last question, Um, in terms of the pastor or the pastoral staff knowing how much people give, because that's a contentious issue out there, and and, and really we're from a tribe where the pastor hasn't known that information. Do you know, what what have you gone, what have you been your thoughts on that issue? Do you want to give it up? Yeah, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think for some people it's right, for, or it might be right. For others it might definitely be wrong. So mm-hmm. if someone knows at their heart, uh, and we can all deceive ourselves, if someone knows that, oh, now that I know someone's details and how much they're giving, I might favour them, that opens up you to a world of pain. Mm-hmm. However, um, there are some benefits in knowing. And so uh, we let people know that myself and our finance team will know, and so we are right up front about that mm-hmm. in our communication with the pledging and all those sorts of things. Uh, that carries with it its own temptations, which mm-hmm. obviously I need to work through and make sure I'm, I'm not favouring certain people, mm-hmm. and that I think we think that there are uh, more benefits in knowing. Plus it is, ultimately it's a discipleship issue. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be yep. also. And so it just opens up the opportunity to have discipleship conversations, whereas if you don't know, there's no way of kind of getting into those Conversations. Or at least they're much harder. Mm. Yeah. What have you done, Stu? Yeah, so uh, we keep it pretty strongly. So um, I get the pledge form back from people and I hand it to our treasurer and we pray together to ask God to guide our, guard our hearts against any of the temptations that, that, uh, that Tim uh, talked about. Um, I, I try not to pay any attention to it at all, but I want to be able to talk to people about money generally mm-hmm. and I don't really want to be recalling the number that they had on a piece of paper. Um, but I want to be talking about money with them because just like their marriage... Their money matters, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it is a spiritual issue. And so I think it's odd that uh, so irrespective, put the piece of paper aside. I want to be able to have a chat to people about money. Mm. And I, I don't think I do it enough, but it is a pastoral area at the end of the day. Mm. And so if we've created and, and corralled and, and, and off your commitment to Jesus in time, I mean, I mean, when I look at the people in our church who are the super generous ones, it's actually the ministry trainees who are coming to work for us for peanuts, you know, um, yeah, and. I mean, they're giving 70% of a corporate salary by by joining our team. Yeah. Yeah. And so so we're explicit every time that uh, the widow's mite is a real thing. Mm. Um, And so the actual amount you give is an irrelevancy. Mm. Uh, You're not trying to please me. It really is between you and God. So there's an absolute discipleship aspect to that. Let that happen. Um, But at the same time, it's structurally so helpful for us to know somewhere on a piece of paper, somewhere in an organisation, what we're roughly expecting to get Mm. next year and to say to you, we want you to know what the number is for yourself mm. so that you can grow in it. Mm. And, and, and whether it's growing with us at New Life or growing that plus lots of generosity outside the church, mm. go for gold, but we want to see people grow in Christian generosity. Mm. Tim, Stuart, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon on The Pastor's Heart. Mm. Very my pleasure. My guest, uh, guests this afternoon, Tim Clements and uh, Stuart Starr. And uh, next week, a reminder, we're having Donald Guthrie join us uh, for a discussion on resilience in ministry. And I do hope that you can join us uh, then. Hey, 
if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.